This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 34. This is Writing Excuses. Writing deliberate discomfort. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm definitely not that smart. My name's Dan. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Laddie. I'm Aaron. And we are very excited to have Aaron Roberts back with us. I won't make you introduce yourself this time, uh, but she's amazing. Um, we want to talk about deliberate discomfort. This was a really fascinating question that came in from a listener, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, what do you do when your writing includes elements that make you uncomfortable? but you're writing the story you want to write. Someone asked this a while ago in the comments section in relation to a character cursing, but I'd like to ask this question in a broader sense. What if my mom reads this? This is uncomfortable to write. And uh, thank you for submitting that question. I think this applies to so many things, whether it is you are not a person who uses curse words, but your characters do. Uh, maybe you were uncomfortable writing the sex scenes or the violence. Maybe you're writing about... Um, racism or misogyny or something like that that makes you very uncomfortable. How do you deal with this as authors, as editors, um, deliberate discomfort for yourself or for the reader? I see all of us are uncomfortable about jumping on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've done this a, a couple of times. And what I find is that there are you know, there, there are different degrees of discomfort and you have to understand where that discomfort comes from and also think about, um, you know, whether or not it's desirable. So there's the, uh, there's the what will people think aspect of it. So like I have a story, um, Serbo in vitro Ujo, which I've told my parents, do not read this. Like, I just, I don't want to have that conversation. Um, and that's, that's a different kind of discomfort than when I am writing uh, sexism in a novel, because that is stuff that I have experienced directly, and I am putting things in that made me uncomfortable when they happened to me, and I know that they're going to make my readers uncomfortable in the same ways, hopefully, that I was uncomfortable, and that for some people, it's going to be even more painful than that. So... And and with those, I, I'm like, that discomfort, I know that I'm doing on purpose because I want to invoke that sense of, oh, this is really, oh, God. Um, but other times it is about making sure that I'm reflecting the shape of the world. So for me, it's really about interrogating why I am putting that discomfort in there. Yeah, I uh, had to have this... Uh conversation with my editor with uh, my historical novel Ghost Station. There are two major plot points that kind of turn on sexism. Uh, The fact that the women in the main character's life, he doesn't necessarily respect them as much as he should or consider them uh, as equals, uh, which sounds horrible and is horrible. And what that meant was that for the first two-thirds of the novel, uh, there's a lot of 
kind of gendered language that I have worked for 15 years to edit out of my own writing and, you know, making sure to include, you know, more inclusive environments and casts of characters and so on. And for this book, I was deliberately pulling back from that so that we would be building this character towards the moment, two different ones, like I said, where he realizes, oh, I screwed up because I have this massive blind spot in my life. And I had my beta readers, I had my editor, I had the copy editors, all of them for those first two thirds of the book were like, you did this wrong. This is a wildly sexist book. And I had to say, yes, but it's on purpose. And I know that it's painful to read, but that's what we're going for at the end. And it does pay off. One thing that I love to do in stories in general is write horrible people um, that are, I like to call them sympathetic monsters. And one of the things that you have to do, or at least that I have to do when I'm writing a, a like really not the greatest person is to remember that there's a difference between the story the character is telling and the story that I am telling about them. Even in a first person perspective, there you can signpost out there that what they're they're like, I'm stuck in my horrible, evil world. But you can still indicate uh, by how other people see them and react to them, by what else you put in the descriptions of what they're doing uh, to show people that it's not necessarily that you are not your character and that there's something that you're trying to do and that the discomfort is there for a reason. Relying on other characters is a good way of doing that um, because then you can still have that character, whether it is the viewpoint or a side character, you know, expressing an opinion that you as an author disagree with, but then you still get to have the the balance in there through the other characters. Yeah, and I think that one of the... I was going to say, you can also use objective. So I do a lot of unreliable narrators as well, and I think there's a, a similar... Uh, similar craft there if you take something objectively wrong and the character is agreeing with it it helps to show people that they're something is off in the way that they see the world and that there's that and that you realize the difference you know they talk about it sometimes as like the kicking (laughs) kicking puppies is always a good example people use in film like if you have character kick a puppy and be like that's the greatest moment of my life then you're showing everyone objectively agrees that kicking puppies is wrong. And so mm-hmm. you're showing that there's that the discomfort of living in that character is something you know about and that, you know, the reader is experiencing and you're saying that's on purpose. Yeah. And I think also giving consequences to some of the horrible action that even, even if it's your protagonist doing it, like not letting them get away with it um, is something that you can do to kind of mitigate that and indicate that it, you know, this is not acceptable behavior. There are consequences. So, Claudia, I'm curious, yeah, how you yeah. handle this as an editor. I'll also, yeah, I wanted to point out from a from a market perspective just how what Dan did with a third of a novel being a misogynistic character is not something that um, everyone can do at any point. I, I do think that um, there should be, there is discomfort uh, for yourself. Like we're saying, there is discomfort for, um, in terms of who's reading this. And then I do think that uh, when you're ch- trying to break through, there are a few things that I would consider unadvisable. And that is one of the things, if you just spend a lot of time in your, as incredible as, the the second or third part would be 
if that's your breakthrough, that might be really hard to place. Yeah. There was something that um, I recently saw someone say about calculating stars. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. Um, uh, and it was um, it was on Twitter uh, and it was a black reader saying that she wondered when Elma's friends would get tired of of her uh, continually making the same basic nice white lady mistakes and that she found it exhausting to read because she had to deal with it so much in her own life. And I think that that's a, an important thing to understand that when you put in something that is deliberately discomfort, dis- uncomfortable, that it is often going to be significantly worse for, um, like, the, the misogyny that Dan was putting in, that's uncomfortable for him. For for me reading that, that's going to be worse for me reading it because it is a, an environment that I live in all the time. So you do have to think about the, the, the cost that you're putting in there is that you are uh, you're not just making yourself uncomfortable. You're you're also potentially hurting, uh, hurting specific readers, and that it's like is that you you probably need less of the deliberate discomfort than you think you do. I definitely want to dig really deep into this, and everyone's raising their hand. They have something they want to say. Let's pause. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. First, for our book of the week, which is actually a short story, and then we'll get back into it. Aaron, you've got the, the story of the week. So the story of the week is The Lamentation of Their Women by Kai Ashante Wilson. It can be found, I believe, on Tor.com originally, and then was republished in Podcastle as an audio. And what I love about this story is it wants to make you uncomfortable because it has a point to make. And so it is a story that has, you know, curse words in it. It has violence in it. It has a really stark look at policing in America in it. And it is something that where discomfort is used as a tool to try to be part of the story that it is telling. Excellent. And that is The Lamentation of Their Women by... Kai Ashante Wilson. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, let's dig into this. Um, Being deliberately uncomfortable in your work is going to affect your readers. It is going to um, cause discomfort in them. And and like Mary Robinette was saying, it's going to be a lot more painful for some readers than for others. So why do we put it in? What What is the purpose of this? What value does it have? And I know Lottie and Aaron both had comments they wanted to make. Lottie, let's start with you. What were you going to say? I was going to talk about the importance of beta readers. I think it's really important when you're writing uh, uncomfortable scenes to have people who are in that group um, make some comments. Um, They might be something that you'll want to incorporate or not, but sometimes it's a little hard to know. Um, where you are in that line, if how, how far you've gone, how hurtful it might be. So I do think it's really important to have people make comments. 
And what I would say uh, to build on all that is that you need to do the discomfort work first. If it's something that you're not comfortable enough with to write well and to really do the work and make yourself feel horrible and all that stuff, don't do it. Because if you're not doing that work, you're putting that on your readers. And it is unfair to ask readers to do work that you are not comfortable doing yourself. So make sure you're in a place where you can use that discomfort as a tool because there's a specific thing you're trying to get out of it. I would also say don't do it as a thought exercise. Like, can I write horrible people just for funsies? Uh, when I do it, it's usually because I'm trying to make a point about the way that culture, uh, oppressive cultures can warp the people within them. And so for me, it's important to show how a monstrous culture turns a person into a monster. But there's a point that I'm trying to make. I'm not just doing it like to see if I can. And that might be valuable as a writing exercise, but if it's something you are going to put in front of readers, then yeah, I think I think you're right. It is important to have a purpose and have a purpose in mind. Why am I including, for example, racial oppression in my fantasy world? It doesn't have to be there. I'm making this world up. So if it is there, why is it there? Yeah. And, and within that also, you know, the like again that that and it was just a single single tweet i don't want to make it sound like i'm uh you know spending my entire life but it it did make me sit back and go oh yeah i i knew that i was um that i was writing this book for an audience you know for for me um but this this is a really good reminder that that also meant uh that that specifically I was, I was as much as I want those books to be inclusive, that I was writing this book for a white audience and the realizations about race that are in there that I, you know, like, I see a lot of people who are like, ah, you know, I realized that I was doing the things that Elma was doing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that is the realization that I want you to have. But Elma's realizations are all in there because I had friends who did the emotional labor to teach me, but that means that I have to recognize that my black readers are also having to do emotional labor to to like my character. And that wasn't something that was not a deliberate choice. Like that part of it was not deliberate choice. And that's um that is the the piece that I'm like, that was a that was a thing that I missed when I wrote it. Uh, and that that I'm trying to think about when I'm writing other things, which doesn't mean that I'm going to leave out the discomfort, but I'm also, it does mean that I'm going to think about, um, I'm going to think more carefully about uh, how much is necessary to, uh, to, to have that character arc and growth. It's usually less than you think it is. All right. Well, let's uh, have some homework. Lottie, you have homework for us. I'm calling this an exercise in compassion. It is a short story in first person about a character whose point of view you completely disagree with. Excellent. A short story or a paragraph, write something with a character you disagree with. Excellent. This has been, I've been looking forward to this episode because I uh, was hoping for a great discussion and we got one. So thank you to all of you. This was awesome. Wonderful listeners, thank you. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. 
jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.